couple of minutes into the game, was at the bottom of a ruck, as you normally do, and was contesting for the ball, went for one big rip, and just found myself on my back. And unfortunately, yeah, one of my teammates just was in the ruck, and his foot just made contact with my face, and more specifically, his stud made contact with my eyeball, and it, yeah, it burst, perforated, and it didn't fully fully go out of its socket, but it was certainly not in the position it should, should have been. Welcome to the Sports Chronicle podcast. In this week's episode, we speak to Ian McKinley. Forced to retire from professional rugby with Leinster aged just 21 after losing the sight in his left eye, McKinley made his return to top flight rugby in Italy in 2014 using custom manufactured goggles. Now in Italy International, the Dubliner will line out against his native Ireland in their showdown in Chicago. Ian McKinley, thanks a million for doing the Sports Chronicle. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm not too bad, thanks. All is good. Fair enough. I, I want to jump into the middle of your career before we go back to the start. I remember a game at the RDS in February 2011, which is actually after your injury, where you beat you were le- playing for Leinster back then and you'd just beaten Treviso and you were the out half. And um, I remember you just having this really, really good game and it was kind of, it felt like a landmark, kind of a, a flag planting kind of moment in your career. I think you set up a try for Dave Carney. I think you scored one off Dippy, off Dominic Ryan and your kicking looked good mm-hmm. and it looked like you were on the right track. Uh, can you take us from, do you remember that game? And can you take us from there in your career? What happened next? Yeah, I, I certainly remember the game well because it was my first ever start in the RDS so obviously you know I was nervous and uh, you know wanted to wanted to do well and show Joe that I was able to make the step up so uh, you know I remember sort of yeah everything went went well you know the bounce of the ball went my way that game and and uh, now I vividly remember that Joe was not happy after the game because we didn't get a bonus point so that certainly you know from from receiving a man of the match award to then Getting your, uh, you know, getting shouted at in in the changing room brought you back straight down to reality, and you realise that you know rugby is a is a team game, and we didn't we didn't achieve the goal that we wanted to in that game. So, um, but no, I certainly have fond fond memories of of any time that I that I pulled on the that jersey. That was pretty funny because we were building you up as we as journalists always do. We were going far the complete the other way. Here's the next big thing. Here's the the the, the understudy and. Poor Odia Madigan wasn't liked, but here's the understudy for Johnny. But yet, Joe, Joe picked apart your performance as he does. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, certainly, like any coach, you know, at a high level, keeps you on your toes and and that you know, always striving to, you know, to to make the players better. So it's it's absolutely crucial that that's the way it is. So, um, but yeah, as, as I said, it was. Uh, yeah, any time I was there it was just wonderful to, to learn as much as I could and as I said things were, were certainly going in the right direction one one game doesn't make a, a player whether it's good or bad you need that consistency of performance over many months many years so um, but certainly any 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 opportunities I got I relished in it Yeah but it was quite strange because it seemed you'd just you'd come back I think was it about six months from your kind of harrowing eye injury and it looks like everything was okay can you tell us what happened from that period to when you had to retire initially. Yeah, so I was when the accident happened. I was given initially a year of of no activity whatsoever. So that was kind of that was difficult to deal with. But uh, I was lucky enough that the recovery went well in six months. You know, six months in, into the recovery, I was back on the rugby field. And I was back training. So yeah, yeah, things were going well. My vision was progressively improving the whole time. Uh, when I first stepped back, back onto the rugby field, it was at 50%, and the best it got to was about 70 Um So as I said, yeah, things were, were going in the right direction, and then just, unfortunately, a few complications with uh, cataracts and 
then unfortunately just due to so much pressure on my eye and you know through the initial accident that my retina my retina just attached and was left completely with with uh, completely blind in that eye you felt at that stage, did you? Because certainly everyone looking on felt that you were back on track. But did you feel like, okay, here, here's my, my career. This was a blip. Is that what you thought at the time? Or what was your thought process? Yeah, I think when you're when you're so young, I suppose, I mean, the accident happened when I was 20. Uh, maybe there's a bit of naivety, there's a bit of boldness. I don't know. Just It was as if I, you know, had maybe just tweaked some ligaments or something like that. It was just, you know, let's get back on the on the field and let's see what we can do and, and try and adapt to the, the, the situation that's been handed to you. So um, I didn't really think about it, to be honest. And yeah, the competition was so high uh, in, in Leinster, particularly in the out-half position. It was just trying to better yourself and uh, just just become a better player was sort of the, the main focus. If I remember you as a kid, um, you, you were a real prospect, but you were the St. Columbus guy and Ian Madigan was the kind of the Black Rock guy, if, just to be too basic about it. But that seemed like the, he kind of had the more opportunities. But was there was that always your main rival around your age grade or two guys fighting for contracts and academy spots? Or was that the way it was growing up? Yeah, uh, well, I've known Ian since uh, since we were nine years old. We played Gaelic football together back with Chemical Croak, so uh, we we go back a long way. And uh, he's actually a year; he was a year ahead of me in school. But I suppose when we when we left school, yeah, we were we were fighting for the same same position. So I suppose I would I would hope that uh, I brought out the best in him, and he certainly brought the best out in me. I, I wanted to improve so much, and there was areas that. You know, he would have been certainly stronger. Maybe there was areas that I was certainly stronger, and you know, there's that health, healthy rivalry. At the same time, there was a huge amount of respect. So, um, uh, no, I mean, as you said, it was healthy. There was a famous game against the Dragons, which I think was your debut when Checker threw all the the kids or the younger guys in, um, just to kind of test people away from home on some kind of dark winter's night. I think the Ireland players were away. Was that your? You were 19. Was that your first game for Leinster? No, it was actually the the one before that, uh, the year before. Uh, it was the week before the Heineken Cup final back in two thousand and nine. So that was um, oh yes, that was my my first game. So I think it was myself and Kyle Tanetti at the time. I think that was our first uh, first look in with the first team. Um, but no, I certainly remember that game as well. That was the year after. Uh, it was a, it's a tough game with uh, the weather not been not been perfect. Uh, in, in, you know, close towards Christmas time is obviously a a tough game and we got a bit of a hiding so you, you you have to learn to grow up pretty quickly and I think some of the guys did that. But at the same time it felt like your career was progressing pretty quickly you were on track yeah you are you were going in the direction you wanted to be established pro in the Leinster ranks and then ideally Ireland I think you played was it nine games for the Ireland 20s so you, you were you were mm-hmm. ticking all your boxes on the way in your career at this point weren't you? Yeah no absolutely things were, were going really really well and you know having completed then the academy and then got you know and and that was interrupted with the injury as well so I had a big big period of uh, of stop there Um, but I was able to manage I was able to get a contract at the end of it with Leinster so obviously yeah at the age of 21 of a contract in hand and uh, I'm playing with you know one of the best teams in Europe so things were certainly going going well Fair enough. Um, can you take us back to this game, 2010? You're playing for UCD against, and I think you were stamped on by a teammate, and it it led to um, a perforated eyeball, which is sorry for the gruesomeness of this, but it, did it essentially your eye pop out, or can you, can you take us through that game and what happened? 
Yeah, so I was just playing a club game, as you said, with uh, UCD. It was my club at the time against Lansdowne, sort of top-of-the-table clash. And uh, just a couple of minutes into the game, I was at the bottom of a ruck, as you normally do, and was contesting for the ball, went for one big rip, and just found myself on my back. And unfortunately, yeah, one of my teammates just was in the ruck, and his foot just made contact with my face, and more specifically, his stud made contact with my eyeball, and it, yeah, it burst, perforated, and... It didn't fully fully go out of its socket, but it was certainly not in the position it should should have been. So the doctors, obviously, when they came on, looked at it straight away, and you know they knew they knew that that's not normal. And uh, I was rushed straight away to hospital, had emergency surgery, and that's that's where I recovered. It, it, this I know you've told this story so many times, so I do appreciate you doing it again. But it just sounds so. Hard. Did you um you yourself you obviously you you got it okay with it, but I think it's people listening or people reading would would struggle with it. How were you? Um, it must have been a really really tough time in your life because uh, never mind getting back to rugby, you must have been worrying about your kind of your health, your life, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I suppose when you're young, there's a bit of naivety involved, and like my vision went straight away, it went completely black. So I knew. I knew it was pretty drastic. There was something horrendously wrong. And, you know, when I went into A&E, into St. Vincent's and the whole sort of A&E room sort of stop and look at you, you know, that there's there's something not right because I didn't even, I didn't look at it at this point. point, I only looked at it as I was on my way to the the Ioneer. And yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, wasn't a pretty sight, but there was no pain whatsoever. Whether that was just shock, I don't know. But um, honestly, there was no physical, no physical pain. I suppose the mental side of it really, it didn't hit me until um, I had to retire uh, the months after After that were the really difficult times, to be honest. The physical stuff, you know, that passes, but the mental stuff is obviously the, the real difficult thing to try and, to try and get over. Considering you were 50% vision, which, which seems like a miracle in itself that you got up to 70% vision again, it's a, it, it feels like there was unbelievable, which actually didn't turn out to be a great story in itself, but you came back that whole process coming back just seems so remarkable that it, you came back so cleanly, but obviously it was a false dawn, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, the, the surgeon and the doctors working in the eye and ear, they, they honestly saved my eye because I still have it. <laughs> it might not work, but I still have it. So they did unbelievable work for me even to, you know, to get up to 70% vision was a miracle in itself. And the really frustrating thing was the doctor's, you know, said that usually six months after an accident like this, things uh, you're in the danger zone, and then sort of six months after you're you're okay. So my when my retina detached, that was 18 months after. So that was really frustrating as well to think that you're sort of in the clear, and then something like that happens. But yeah, I mean, um, like I always say, there's there's a lot of things, a lot worse things that can happen to you from a professional point of view. It was not ideal. But uh, you just learn to get on with it. You, you, uh, you know, you, you would hope to believe that it makes you stronger. I certainly know it's made me stronger. And uh, you just, honestly, <laughs> might sound kind of blunt, but you, you literally just get on with it and uh, just put the head down and keep working. You certainly did. The I, I, I heard you say before you were gouged by an opponent in the AIL. Were you targeted because of this in future games? Which sounds just crazy, <sighs> but it, it, did that really happen? What, what happened there? Yeah, it was a couple of ugly incidents. I don't like to sort of document it too much, but at the same time, it did happen, and I wouldn't want it. Wouldn't want it upon. You know, wouldn't wish it upon anyone. But uh, I suppose you'd have to ask the people that that did it what they what they were thinking. So um, I, I can only say that to be honest.
that must have made you go crazy though especially when in the moment it happened because uh, you don't seem like a kind of a super aggressive kind of guy but that would drive anyone um, to yeah I think maybe more irritated my parents <laughs> but uh, sure. yeah it's obviously not a nice feeling but uh, yeah you just you, you don't want to see that sort of stuff in the game and uh, hopefully it never happens again you touch on your parents there and your partner and your family around you if I, I imagine there's no way you, you get through all this without a strong base of uh, support family and friends support yeah, absolutely. You, you, whenever there's something tragic that happens to you, you realise which people are the closest to you, and they've stuck by me through through everything. And you know, they've picked me up more times than I can think of. So uh, I owe for where I am now. I basically owe owe, owe huge amounts to them, and, and I'll forever be grateful to them. And you know, family yeah. and friends and all that is is really really important, and you know, helps you through the the darker times of the war. Can you take us through the initial the initial retirement where I think you'd colour blindness when you were then in Galway in the summer when you saw traffic lights and couldn't tell which colour was which and then how that went from there to being told you have to retire? Yeah, so I was just hanging with my mates in, in Galway and I was just had a set of traffic lights and I just realised I couldn't differentiate the colours so I knew something was, was pretty wrong again and rushed straight back to Dublin went with my mum to the, the A&E again and they told me that the retina had detached, had a fourth operation on it. And the next day they told me that uh, the retina detachment had been too big to to uh, to repair. And unfortunately, you've been left completely blind. So, you know, they gave me the options of what you could do. Um, I took a few weeks to, to think about my career, uh, my life, basically, what I, what I want to do. And uh, my dad sort of sat me down and just said, you know, put the negatives and positives down on a sheet of paper and you know if the if the negatives really really outweigh the positives then your sort of decision is made up for you so um that's what i did and spoke to various other people but uh, i i believed i i couldn't continue and yeah i, I informed joe uh joe schmidt and at the age of 21 that was the end of my end of my rugby career so that that was obviously difficult what were the positives and negatives in oh, positives are um yeah, doing doing the thing that you've you've loved doing since you were a little kid, knowing that you were born to do that that sport. Um, um, you know, you could look at some sort of vanity thing as well, whether it be you know fame, glory, money, all that sort of stuff. That could be the other side of it. Uh, the, the negatives, um, negatives certainly would be if something else was was to happen. You know, what implications would that have on the rest of your life? Um, and, and whether I could, you know, feel I could actually perform to a certain level with 50%, you know, with one eye, would I be able to do it? Um, and my eye was still pretty sore. I, you know, physically had taken a lot, a lot of punishment in, in those, you know, couple of years. So I just felt that I just, I couldn't do it. So Fair enough. A friend of mine, he lost his eye when he was 13 in an accident. He rides a motorbike now, by mm-hmm. the way. And he's got all, he's always, right. needed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, he's gotten over it. And uh, he's got extra mirrors on his bike. And when he drives, he can't see 3D in film. Do you have you all these kind yeah. of problems? Or can you, are, are these similar things or other things than us normal people, or uh, us people with two eyes? <laughs> not yeah, no, I mean, you, 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 you adapt pretty quickly, to be honest, to your, to your surroundings. But yeah, simple things, the examples I would use the most maybe would be, Walking in a shopping mall, uh, I bump into people quite a lot. Or, you know, pouring water into a glass, your depth perception maybe still is a little bit not 100%. So there's certain things like that, but nothing nothing too drastic. 
How tough a period was that? Because you'd put on, you'd really, I presume you'd plan to be a professional rugby player from at least 15. That was when you really started to show potential. And then it just got taken away mm-hmm. from you. When it really seemed like you'd, you, were, you were right on track. So how, how tough a period was that for you? Yeah, as I said, that's the, that's where you realise uh, you realise what people are really important to you, which people are really important to you. They stick by you. Um, but yeah, it was certainly difficult. I didn't watch rugby at all. Didn't, I just stayed away from it. And uh, yeah, it was it was difficult seeing your mates as well thriving and, and succeeding as well. That, I suppose that's more of a selfish point. But yeah, it was certainly difficult. But um, as I said, luckily, luckily I have good people around me and they, they've kept me afloat as well. How did you get to? Is it Udine as an under 16s coach? Did Leinster help with that, or you got into coaching? Quite yeah, long. that was that was going to be the initial plan. Was it just to see how we go? go. Yeah, I, why Italy? Yeah, apart from playing, I absolutely love love the coaching side of things, especially sort of uh, development years of of players, maybe from 14 to 18. Like I really like the development. You know, seeing guys, uh, you know, really develop their game, and uh, so. I was working with Leinster a little bit and they just got in contact or they received a call from a, an Italian club in Udine and yeah, they offered me a job uh, and uh, you know, I went over once just to see if I liked it, liked the setup, went second time with my, with my, uh, my missus and uh, we were happy and we wanted something different uh, and yeah, we just jumped at the opportunity and moved over in 2012 so that would have been you know, a year or so after, after I, I had retired. What inched you back onto the pitch? Because it's three years essentially before you got back playing. I think. Um, what was it? It was a little by little, or when did you kind of get into your head? I, I, I can do this. No, I think uh, retiring at the age of twenty-one, you just there's so much that you wanted to achieve, and uh, any sports person that retires, you know, when they're forced to do, forced to retire, is a really bitter pill to swallow, and that's, that's how I felt. I wanted to succeed. I wanted to reach my goals, my dreams, my ambitions. And I suppose that was always nagging in the back of my mind. And um, yeah, as it so happens, uh, these rugby goggles became available from uh, World Rugby, as, or they were the IRB at the time, and uh, an Italian company called Raleri, who are the only manufacturing company of these goggles in the world. It just so happens to be in Bologna in Italy, so it's very, very handy for me. And uh, yeah, I, I just... Thought well, you know, I want to play with some sort of eye protection. I don't want to, don't want a repeated situation of the gouging previously. So let's give it a go. And I gave it a go in 2014, and went onto the rugby field with with the team I was coaching, um, which was you know J4, J5 sort of level. And um, yeah, it was it was more just a, a trial, just to see what the product was like, if it was safe for me for other guys and mentally if I was good I knew physically I'd be fine but mentally if I was up for it yeah I was what were you like was there so you it's been natural to doubt yourself I remember was it mentally going what if I can't do this or was it a fear of getting hurt or what, what was your thought process that you had to get through no there was no more fear I think if I had fear about sort of something happening again uh, then I shouldn't be on the field so I mean I play in complete uh, confidence with, with the goggles that I wear Um you know, obviously trying them out in the first game, maybe you've a bit of, I won't say anxiety, but a few questions. And luckily that's all been, uh, you know, nothing has happened to me four years on. <laughs> and all the hundreds of games, I've played over a hundred games with them and nothing has happened. So um, I can, I, I have full confidence in them. 
the Brian O'Driscoll played to, effectively blind for a lot of his career till he got surgery yeah. to kind of fix yeah. it. And a lot of the yeah. time he'd see blurs and he felt that sometimes I get through gaps I shouldn't get through because they didn't exist. I just presumed they did. And he kind of felt his way yeah, through games yeah. a lot. You would have been, you could be blindsided a bit, I imagine. How have you kind of worked that out? Or do you have just, do you trust yourself a bit more because you kind of have to? Or what's your way around it? Yeah, I'm, any player shouldn't go away from their instincts. That's first and foremost. You've you got to play on instincts. Um, so I, I try not to go too away from, you know, too far away from that as well. But uh, yeah, there's been a few things I've adapted to. The one example I give, because I won't give, I, you know, I try not to give too much away. But the one example is that I'm left-footed, and sometimes I can't see the ball when I put it out. So I've had to change my, my body position a little bit just to for my the type of kicks that I do. But you know, small little details, small little adaptations, and that's sort of what it makes what makes it exciting as well at the same time because. You know, I'm always learning new things, always developing, trying to, you know, it's almost like a race against my eye, basically. Are you at the, <laughs> level, of rugby, are you at the level of rugby player at, at your age now um, that you always thought you'd get to? I know, granted, you've had a three-year break, so that has to be taken yeah. into consideration. But are you getting to the where you felt the, the, the kind of the full version of Ian McKinley as an out-half? Are you, are you there yet? Or are, are you, has this, how much has this slowed that process is what I'm asking you? Uh, well, I'm definitely... From when I retired at the age of 21 to Ian McKinney now at 28, I'm a completely different player. Um, uh, you know, experience plays a huge, huge role in 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 how you develop as a player as well. And um, I would certainly hope that I've improved on on certain aspects of my game that wasn't there uh, previously. So, um, listen, it's an, it's always an ongoing work. It's a work in progress. It's never finished. And um, listen, I'm just thrilled where I've you know sometimes you do need to step back and recognise where you've come from um, you know and I, I, I do that I, I should do it more but I, I, I try and do that uh, a little bit but at the same time you got to realise that you know I'm playing for playing for Italy playing for Benetton and you know our results well certainly when I arrived three years ago were not were not to the standard and now as a team as a collective group we're, we're starting to see the Reap the, the benefits of of, uh, of all the professional people that have that have been here that are coming in, and uh, we're, we're reaping the war, rewards from from all the hard work. So it's just you know amazing to be a part of it. Was there ever a because take us through your how your professional career kind of was kick started again, and was there ever a dream to kind of get back into Ireland or get back to Leinster or get get back on track to the initial plan, or was that a gone? No, because of the if I'm to be totally honest, no, if I'm to be totally honest, absolutely not because. Italy has given me um, has given me a second chance. Not only Italy itself, but Udine. Uh, so Leonardo Rugby Udine gave me the coaching opportunity. Rugby Viadana gave me my first professional contract. Mm. Zebre gave me my first chance of uh, competing in the Pro 12 at the at the time. And Treviso consistently uh, have given. You know, I'm I'm hopefully going to be there for four years. In the sense that I've already done. This is my third year, and I've signed on for another year. So. And they've shown the confidence in me to to keep going, and then Italy, you know, uh, letting me uh, play international rugby. So I've huge huge loyalty and respect for them, and and that's where my my loyalties as a player now is. And it's you know, uh, I'm very lucky to have two homes, and Italy is just one of my one of my homes, and it's my home now. There was an issues with coming back because of the goggles, and there was an insurance thing. Can you take me through that again? Because there was issues even coming back and playing in Ireland. A lot of not they hadn't signed up, I think, to the 
Will you take us through that whole? Yeah, so there, there was Ireland, England, and France at the time hadn't hadn't signed up to the trial, um, but uh, thankfully that's been that's been overturned. And anyone in a similar sort of situation as me are free to to use the goggles. And uh, you know that's it's it's fantastic, and I can only thank the the RFU at the same time for changing their their decision because you know it it allows me and other other players and other kids as well to to, to take part in the sport. Yeah, because the IRFU, they needed to change and there was a bit of a kind of a little campaign going on. I'm not sure if your brother was involved or there was a couple of people involved because your career was put under threat a second time because of this, wasn't it? And it, people had to change policy, essentially. Yeah, uh, well, um, in terms of my career under threat, yeah, I mean, I wasn't allowed maybe travel to play the, the games uh, in Ireland. So that was obviously frustrating. But again, you know, we're, we're very, very thankful that that's been overturned and, um, you know, Particularly kids as well are, are able to play in safety now with these goggles, so that's that's, that's obviously a huge bonus as well. Yeah, because a lot of kids are going to are going to benefit from this. There's there's a huge thing. Can you take us through the process of you getting back to? Uh, it took a while, but you eventually got back to the RDS, not against Leinster again, which is a nice little bit of irony. But can you take us through that night and that 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 moment? Yeah, well, I've played I've played now a few times against Leinster, mm-hmm. but the, I suppose that game. Um, that would have been three years ago, and that was the first game of the the pro the pro twelve uh, season. So yeah, that was uh, emotional. I remember got back, got onto the field. I think maybe about twenty minutes to go, and I got a really nice, you know, standing ovation from some people. So it was obviously, you know, fantastic. But uh, I certainly preferred the the, uh, the game last year because we won. So I, for me. All that sort of nostalgia and all all that emotional side of things, you know, is fantastic. But at the end of the day, Treviso, we we managed to beat Leinster last year, so that will be the game. And I didn't, I was on the bench. I didn't, I didn't get on, but I didn't care because that was uh, for me that was more important. So, um, but now, of course, when I look back on things, that was obviously those, those things are certainly, you know, I appreciate it very much. Would you talk to us about Conor O'Shea and Steve Abood? I suppose coming into your lives and and the lives of Italian rugby. Yeah, well, I think you're starting to see the results are, are drastically improving with with Chirizo and Zebre, and not only Steve and Connor. I mean, they're they're doing fantastic work, but even Michael Bradley and Zebre, Kieran Crowley, and all the back backroom staff. Everyone is working working their ass off basically to get easily, um, you know, back up where 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 they should be, where we should be, because there's so much talent here. There really is, and. Uh, you know, it's very, very fine margins, but I think that margin is uh, is is, uh, is definitely closing. So, um, as I said, it's an exciting, it's an exciting period to be part of Italian rugby. Conor O'Shea came before us um, uh, before the uh, match in the Six Nations last season, and uh, he was genuine about it. He goes, "Look, you, you obviously you didn't make the squad, you didn't make the matchday squad." And he goes, "Look, he, Ian's really, really close, but I, I cannot pick him for romantic reasons because I can't turn around to Tommy Allen or Carlo Canna and that can't be my reason for selection. That's just not how professional rugby works." That was a bit of bittersweet for you. That was a tough one for you to swallow, I'd imagine, because coming back and playing Ireland in Dublin is something that would be just huge for you and your family. I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, this is not about me. <laughs> it's um, you know, it's about Italian rugby. It's about putting the best people on the field, hopefully, to win that game. So, of course, would I have loved to have played that game? Absolutely. Um, would a, the, the result was not exactly what we wanted, though. So I, I don't, you know, I, I, I would want it to be for the right reasons playing. So um, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll get a good opportunity now next week.
What's your What's your thought process when when you didn't get that squad? Were you like, okay, I, I I'm not at the level yet, or could you play Test rugby? How do you feel in that environment, or because you want to keep going up and up? I imagine you want a number ten jersey from Italy on your back, is what I'm saying to you. So when you didn't get that squad, what's your what What do I have to do, or how did you deal with that to get yourself better? I think you just think positively. Think again of you know, two years previously, I was playing in uh, I was playing J five rugby. <laughs> yeah. So again, you you need to have you know you just keep thinking positively uh, do i do i want to of course anyone that plays the sport wants to be in, uh, number one i mean that's part of the reason you do it as well you're fighting for the position so again i mean there's things i need to work on like like anyone else and uh, hopefully you know if if my 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 chance comes you just got to be 100 prepared 100 percent prepared to uh, to take your opportunity um, assess your performances in Test rugby. I think everything's all your caps have come off the bench. Uh, how have you done, and w- where are you at in that in that regard? Yeah, um, again, uh, yeah, as I said, they've all come off the bench, but they've been all three very different games. So, um, again, it's just about learning. It's just about you know getting a feel for Test rugby, and because it's certainly a higher level than European rugby. A higher level than Pro 14, so it's just about exposure, experience, and uh, learning all the time. Um, it, it one of the biggest things for people who go to France, Italy, whatever is um, the language. I was look, looking at you doing an interview there recently, and it's you sounded Italian. Are you fluent, or have you 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 sound like you've got your arms around that that issue? It sounds like it, but it's it's far from the truth. No, I can definitely I can definitely say a few phrases and uh, just about order. I can order in a restaurant and all that sort of stuff. But it's not for me. It's a nice language, and um, you know I think to have the respect of of uh, people that you work with, you need to be able to speak the same language as them. So um, no, I put a lot of focus into learning that, and uh, yeah, I, I I can certainly carry out a conversation. You can talk to yeah. Basically, the most important thing is that you can talk to uh, your pack or your scrum half or whatever. That that's you've got, you've definitely got you've got through that one anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You you, you know I can uh, I can uh, give them a pat on the back or else I can shout at them. I know how to shout at them in, uh, in a very constructive way in Italian. So you've learned you've learned from Johnny Sexton over the years. Yeah. But sh- shout well, at him and um, um, and others. Yeah, but he's certainly certainly performing at an incredible level. Yeah, do you take? Do you look at that because you were you and him? You were in a slipstream for a while at Leinster. Do you watch him now and go, okay, well that's the benchmark for all of us? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what what sets him apart from everyone else is just decision making is just exceptional. So, of course, you'd be stupid not to try and learn learn from him. So, um, uh, but uh, Ireland as well as as a nation are you know performing at a particularly high level and that's that's what we're trying to get at you know we're, we're you know it's not going to change in a year but we're certainly aiming to just to be more competitive and and, and eventually you know turn over some of these big, bigger nations you said that uh, your loyalty is to Italian rugby and they've given you so much and they've kind of well obviously they they restarted your career um is that you want to play you want to establish yourself as a test match out half and you want to stay in the Italian game because what I mean is AJ McGinty another guy not dissimilar to you ended up had a great World Cup in 2015 for America and ended up getting himself into the English Premiership and he's doing unbelievable these are career options realistic career options do you look at that or England, France God, Ireland even or is Italy where you want to be like long long term no, I'm very very happy in Italy very happy with how things are going and Treviso are going in a really good direction so I'm just yeah I'm very happy for the for the time being being part of that What's it like living there and uh, what, how much of the rugby culture is growing because like, that's all Conor O'Shea always says I want to leave this place 
forget about results. Mm-hmm. I want to leave this place with a rugby culture embedded when I'm gone. Is what, Are you seeing yeah, this? No, well, tr- yeah, Treviso in particular has a good rugby culture, a lot of rugby bars and stuff like that. So you definitely know it's, it's present. So, um, But yeah, I mean, when you see the Stadio Olimpico is full, I mean, that means that, you know, people are interested in the game. So there's huge numbers playing playing it. So there's no reason why it can't progress. What's it like living over there? Where do you, what's your lifestyle like? Or? Fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Weather's good. Wine's even better. So you can't complain. Fair enough. Fair enough. The, a nice, easy week coming up now. Um, this is a huge... You're in behind Carlo Canna. Do you feel like your second choice now? Or what, what's your mindset uh, coming into this week? No, well, again, Connor picks the team that he believes that can, that can do a job. So um, if I'm, I'm picked on the bench to do a job, if I'm called in for the last 10 minutes, I've got, just got to do my job. So... We're, as I said, we're not going over there to, to have a holiday. We're going over there to win a test match and put our put a marker down. And uh, we're not happy with, with how we performed last time against Ireland. So we're just hoping to put a few a few wrongs right. Do you know, actually, funnily enough, what the All Blacks got wrong uh, that week, it seemed, was they had Adidas gigs the day before. They were caught up with going to see how the Cubs were getting on. They were getting around the city where Ireland were just camped up. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you, I, I don't know if there's many lessons you can learn from the All Blacks losing the Test match but are you just looking at that because it's a wonderful place to go and you're going to like the Chicago Bears Stadium and there's a lot around this yeah. Test match isn't there so you have to be uh, there's, there's no, caution I think, isn't there yeah I think everyone's a professional they know I mean some guys prefer to joke a bit more some guys prefer to be a bit more strict on things I mean we're all adults at the end of the day so uh, everyone knows how to how to uh approach things so we'll, we'll be as professional as, as as we need to be and uh, yeah just we'll make sure that we're, we're right for the game and I know you're process driven and I know you're a good pro but you come on to a game the game's in the balance against Ireland emotionally how, uh, are you looking forward to it or you're getting to play against oh, Ireland absolutely you know? it, which is yeah, kind of a, it's, it's, it's a crazy scenario isn't it but it's also kind of cool yeah well even just to play against some of your mates as well is is a nice uh, nice thing um, guys I would have Played with, you know, Reese Ruddock, Jack McGrath, those those lads. You know, that would be nice to play against them, maybe, and get in a few tackles and stuff like that. But uh, again, you just have to see how the game's going and just, just do your do your best. But of course, it'll be yeah, it'll be it'll be you know a, a strange feeling. But you know, I have to mentally prepare myself for for that moment if it happens. And uh, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. Uh, and I'll leave. Who else did you come up with, by the way? It was Jack, uh, Ian. Any other guys that are who'd be in around the Ireland uh, squad? Connor Murray, Peter O'Mahony. Um, who else? Poor Nevin Spence. Uh, mm. He was our centre. Dave Carney. So it was a good, a good group. Yeah, good group. yeah, yeah. It was a very special yeah. group of players, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good how, group. Was how, a good did group. You, how did yeah. you do it under twenties, if I may ask? I think we came second in the Six Nations. And then the World Cup, we had a bit of a disappointing World Cup, but we won two of the three warm-up games, and then unfortunately lost lost to Wales and then Samoa. So we didn't have a good run. Didn't have a good run in the end. You've got an unbelievable. Uh, there's two ways of looking at your World Cup uh, pool this year, uh, next year: uh, an absolute nightmare pool, or an unbelievable chance to play against the two greatest rugby nations on earth. How, which which way do you fall on it when you're looking at who Italy have to play in South Africa? Opportunity. I mean, you test yourself against the best in the world. Obviously, it's a difficult group, but every World Cup group is difficult. Mentally, you know, physically, it's difficult. Test rugby is not easy, so you just embrace the opportunity and. You know, we'll see what happens. I don't want to be too soppy about it, but you do realise because of the goggles and and because of your story that you're an inspiration for a lot of people. Do, do, 
and you do say you do stop and smell the coffee sometimes but uh, do you realise that's something that's going to be long after rugby's gone that there's, some, there's a story for you you're going to have to tell over and over again so people are you aware of that? Yeah or? well yeah well listen I mean if, if, if young kids maybe in particular see someone that's different you know if, if they have the same issue I'm more than happy to be a, a reference point for those people uh, for anyone that's fantastic I just want to put rugby in a good light I don't want something that you know that, that you know that happened you know which is deemed a dangerous sport or you know because all this concussion issue and everything is coming up but I want something positive to be taken out of it and, and I really believe that this is a positive story so hopefully if people take inspiration from that then I'm delighted This is the Sports Chronicle Podcast.